0: What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special simulcast of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast powered by TheGorillaPosition.com, presented by Hameen Media and now in association with Last Word on Pro Wrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'm here with my tag team partner, RBV, but give it up for our guest today, ladies and gentlemen. You may know him as the voice of Ring of Honor TV, the lead man on the headset, Mr. Ian Riccoboni. Ian, welcome inside the locker room. Hey, thanks for having me, Jargo. Um, so yeah, you know, let's, uh, let's start things from the off from the beginning here. You grew up in Pennsylvania, received a bachelor's degree from NYU and then a master's from Penn. What in the world are you doing in the world of professional <laughs> wrestling?
1: You know, I, I'd actually, i actually, I talked about this with my wife actually last night. There's there's a lot of highly educated people in professional wrestling. And, uh, I think of Veda Scott who has her JD. I think, uh, uh, Rd Evans, who I believe has his JD as well, and uh, Britt Baker, of course, is a Doctor of Dental uh, of Dental Medicine. So that's uh, amazing, right? So it's just something that a lot of all of my passions throughout my life. I think the one common thread is is that they've all found ways to intersect. And uh, my master's degree is in education, and so I also teach at Holy Family University. So everything kind of overlaps. Um, as a kid, I was really ambitious. Um, the one constant though, is I really, really liked watching pro wrestling. And there was a, a time uh, when I was a teenager, when I was able to, to goof around in the wild Samoans training center a little bit with, uh, with off there. And then, and then Sam there as well. and, Uh, I realized bumping would never be for me. And so I decided pretty much at that moment, Hey, if you're ever going to do something in wrestling, uh, you might want to focus on the broadcasting. So I'd always been interested in broadcasting. Uh, I was a big fan of sports center growing up. So guys like Kenny Main, Keith Olverman, uh, Stuart Scott, Dan Patrick, Larry Beal, those guys. So uh, those, those goals and ambitions inspired me to, to get my education because I looked at those folks and I, I said, well, how did they get there? And, and they all had one thing in common, specifically the sports center anchors. They were, they all went to respected schools. They all found a way to, to get in and do well there and, and found ways to be a part of the radio or TV programs there and, and get their start and cut their teeth. So honestly, you know, that's, that's how everything kind of intersected. <laughs> I always loved wrestling and I, I wanted to be a part of it. And the the way I wanted to be a part of it was broadcasting. So I, I shot high and, and tried to do the best I could in school and, and then look for any opportunities from there.
0: So I read this story last night that you contribute a lot of your stumbling into this world known as professional wrestling through an off-chance meeting with friend of the show, The Blue Meanie, and that led you into going to the historic Monster Factory. Tell us a little bit of how this all happened.
1: Yeah, I was, I was so hungry. I, I was in a job where I liked what I was doing and I loved the people I was working with, but uh, the, the passion for what I wanted to do at that time was was to be on television and to work on television. And there was a guy, Pat Gallen, who's now an Emmy-winning sports broadcaster that I, I wrote with on a blog uh, called Philly's Nation. And he had started a video blog, and that ended up getting picked up on Comcast Sportsnet in Philly. And so I was just looking for any possible way to get on TV. And, and really what he told me was, Hey, if you can create content, we'll find ways to air it because he was the host and had another host, Corey Seidman. And there's a uh, Natalie Eganoff was the other host. And so I would just look for ways to, to do fun things related to the Phillies to, to get on the show. And my first real beat was to interview famous Phillies fans and, I had, I had dumb luck with Mark Summers and, and he's the host of Double Dare. <laughs> and, you know, I, I had no idea he was a Phillies fan until I was just doing some research of, okay, who's from the Philly area or who had lived here and became a fan. Um, and then I, I hit up Tony Luke uh, who runs a very successful cheesesteak chain here, uh, very notable in the Philadelphia area. And then I saw Blue Meanie was posting about the Phillies on Twitter. And at the time, he wasn't verified at the time he, uh, you know, he was kind of, you know, looking for, you know, different ways to, you know, the, the convention circuit really hadn't heated back up. Um, you know, super fan favorite in the Philly area. So I, I thought, well, Blue Meanies, I've heard he's a nice guy. You know, I, I wonder if he's doing anything. I wonder if he'd come on the show. And I reached out to him via Twitter. I didn't even know if it was him. He wasn't verified. And I just assumed he was. And now he's verified, of course. But I, I reached out to him. And he said, sure, I'd love to. He said we shouldn't just do this this anywhere though. We should do it either at Citizens Bank Park with the Phillies play or we should do it at the Monster Factory. And knowing that we've had we had trouble filming at Citizens Bank Park without a permit, <laughs> uh, the Monster Factory it, it was. <laughs> so uh we went to went to the Monster Factory I uh, did the, the little segment where, you know, the, the wrestler throws the reporter around a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the night, I, I took Danny Cage's phone number. I took his card. And a few days later, I sheepishly called Danny, who at the time was taking over for Larry Sharp, who was also there. And I said, hey, hey, Danny, uh, I have a friend who thinks he might be able to have some fun and, and do some interviews and to be a broadcaster for your wrestling for Monster Factor. I know you guys are going to do some more events. I know you want to put them on YouTube, make DVDs out of them and he said, "Oh, really? Well, we'll tell your friend that he should start coming in and learn how to set up the ring and break down the ring and set up for the shows and you know, clean the mat, clean the canvas, clean the building." And uh sure enough, there was a, a long stretch there, maybe a year or two, where I was one of the first ones in. I was helping break up, you know, break down, set up the ring, um everything in between. Uh just so I can get an opportunity to to do some stuff and and to to everything from ring announced to film, you know, backstage interviews for the Monster Factory's uh, YouTube channel, and then you know, moving into calling full events for for DVD and for online release. So it it was kind of a quick ride at the time. It seemed like it was taken forever, um, but I guess that's just human nature. Because within about a year or so, I was calling the Monster Factory events, and then shortly thereafter, I got a I got a break with Ring of Honor.
2: Ian Rick Vickery here. Thanks for coming on with us. You started with Ring of Honor as a personality in 2014, called your first match on January 3rd 2015 and then May of 2015 started ring announcing and calling future of honor as well as women of honor matches before taking over as the full time voice of Ring of Honor on February 25th 2017. Tell us about your early days with the company and the move to take over for Ring of Honor legends like Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino
1: yeah it was it was surprising. um I was in Chicago on business, and I received a phone call from our executive producer and at the time when you're the when you're the second banana um you don't have too many of those calls uh, just because of you know how things work usually the the messages were filtered down through Kevin, and you know Kevin had kind of produced me along the way and so I knew it was important, so i snuck into the bathroom and took the call (laughs) from the stall, uh, of, you know, of, of talking to our executive producer. And then he essentially said, Hey, look, things are changing here. Um, you know, Kevin has accepted the the role as the English commentator for new Japan and he won't be able to make all the dates. So, um, we'd like you to, to be our TV voice. We'd like to have a consistent voice on television. And I was just over the moon and, um, before I could even think, I said yes. And then immediately after saying yes, I, I thought, Oh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> what kind of, what kind of commitment did I just add to my schedule? But it was something that I always knew I wanted to do. And, you know, my, my wife and she, we'd always talk. She said, you know, I love you. I, I think you can, you can be a success in this, but realistically, you know, what's, what's your goal. And I, I'd said, well, I wanted to give ring of honor five years and, if Kevin Kelly was still there, great, I would call it a day. Um, and if Kevin Kelly ever moved on, then I just hoped I'd be the first person to get a shot uh, at at taking the role. And as long as I got one shot, as long as I got one TV taping, I could rest easy at night and and know that that I got a shot. I either made it or I didn't. and And that was all right with me. So, in the early days, it was just you know, show up at the building. I uh, kind of repeat the steps that I did at the Monster Factory. I was there. I you know, helped set up the ring with Ring Crew. I helped set up the stage quite frequently um, to the point where I'd flown myself to Vegas. I'd flown myself to San Antonio. I'd flown myself uh, a couple different places because I knew at the time they didn't have the resources to cut the matches and, and have them for me to call later. Like our, you know, what we call our dark matches are now future of honor matches or YouTube exclusives. So I knew that if I physically wasn't in the building, I wasn't going to be able to call any of the matches. So I found ways to get the buildings um, and help set up and and help contribute to the point where they had to tell me, Hey, you know what? You, you've got your spot. You're the B team guy. You're the, you're the women of honor guy. You're the future of honor guy. You don't have to fly yourself around. You don't have to, uh, you know, come down for setup and breakdown. You know, you can, here's your dates (laughs) here's when you're coming in and and you're good and and so um you know those were the early days and you know i just wanted to just to at every point make sure that they knew that that i was willing to contribute that i was a team player and that i was really somebody that they could depend on if the the spot ever opened up and sure enough you know kevin got the great opportunity with new japan he gets to he gets to travel uh quite a bit every year and uh that you know, opens up the spot down, you know, down the stream for me. And I couldn't, couldn't have been happier. I think the biggest question mark though was who was going to be my partner. Cause as you said, it wasn't just Kevin that left Steve Carino. Uh, got an opportunity with the WWE at almost the same exact time. So uh, I was lucky that after, I think I've had 41 partners, 41 combinations, I believe 29 different partners Wow! Uh, b- before I settled on Colt. And that includes two and three person booths. <laughs> so, oh
0: yeah, because uh, we've seen everybody from Rat Titus to BJ Whitmer to Jenny Rose. We've seen everybody on guest commentary in ROH here in the last six months.
1: Absolutely, but <laughs> but thankfully the one the one constant uh, seems to be that it's it's either myself and Colt or some combination of myself, Colt, and Caprice, which is really nice too. So uh, it's it's been fun, and then that helped that element of consistency with Colt and I really adds to when we do get the third person in the booth. Really
0: like Caprice when he joins you guys, he adds a lot to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Caprice is, uh, Caprice has a great sense of humor. Uh, he's a great sense of timing. Um, and the Caprice you see just like Colt and, and myself, when, when you see and you hear Caprice, that's, that's the genuine artifact. That's how, you know, Caprice and Colt are when the camera is not rolling too. So, I think that adds a tremendous amount as well to the broadcast.
0: You talk a little bit about the schedule there. One of the issues that we've kind of noticed here on the show inside of ROH has become the Honor Club events schedule versus the ROH TV events. And it seems like these issues have gotten better over the year as things have kind of went on. But Ian, as a play-by-play guy, that has to present an entire different set of challenges in telling the narrative. Inside of your position, is there a good way to approach these events differently? differently or is it something that you have to make a conscious effort at times to hold stuff back? Sure.
1: And and that's actually a a great and a a fair question. So, you know, knowing the TV schedule and having an idea of what may happen, um, you know, at the honor club events, the the most difficult thing is to promote and acknowledge, uh, but without staking a claim to something. And I'll give you an example. Um, Ring of Honor's television is distributed in over, uh, you know, 100 stations uh, across the United States. It, it's distributed across the world as well. We're on, in, we're on India. We're on uh, across Europe. So there's, there's some challenges where they, there's an obligation to get the TV done as quickly as possible. And that means when our production staff lands, they're obligated to, to essentially cut the television, even if it's four or five weeks out, as soon as they can so that it it's edited and, and ready to go for our various different markets. Um, the challenge that that provides is that we know there's Honor Club events on the schedule, and we have seen championships change hands uh, on Honor Club events. And then, you know, unfortunately, a, a different person who's not the champion appears uh, in a pre-taped television segment. And the example that I can think of is when Punishment Martinez kind of unexpectedly won the TV title in Dallas. Um, and then that same weekend on ring of honor television, there was a match where Silas young came to the ring with the, the world television championship. So there are some challenges there. I think our fans are very forgiving in that they know that uh, the one source of truth, so to speak, and all of this is is the ring of honor social media channels And Ring of Honor really doesn't shy away from acknowledging championship changes on our Honor Club events because we don't want to take anything away from the fans that that witnessed it live, even if the fans at home um, haven't seen it yet. So, you know, it's definitely something that it is a challenge. It's something that as a broadcaster, I do have to think about, I think, the most challenging role. Uh, being the ring of honor in a play-by-play guy is keeping all the events straight as we (laughs) tape television that may be four or five weeks in advance uh, and maybe four or five weeks long. And just to kind of sit down, you know, Colt and I essentially, um, you know, our producers give us a nice cheat sheet and then Colt and I make a little rubric of, okay, we're, we're on week two on week two, I'll give you an example for this week. You know, we mentioned Happy Hanukkah a few times because we realized it's going to be airing during Hanukkah. Um, there are certain weeks where it's Thanksgiving or there's different holidays and things like that. And so we try and we try and look for things on the calendar to try and keep it topical <laughs> while we're <laughs> while we're broadcasting, and sometimes it's as simple as a holiday, sometimes it's as simple as, okay, Game One of the World Series is guaranteed to start on this day. We can mention the World Series. We obviously don't know who's going to be in it, but we can mention it. Um, and things like that. So we try and find little nuggets to, to try and keep it, uh, as, as fresh as possible, but it, in some ways it can present challenges. I think one of the most interesting things is honor club and, and the value that provides. And, you know, for our fans who have it to be able to see live wrestling now, uh, 20 to 30 times more a year from ring of honor. So, if if I had a choice between the two, I would I would be to to keep the challenges of juggling both and, and having the extra events through Honor Club than not. But it's certainly, you know, I've I've heard from fans that it is something fans have become aware of.
2: And before we talk about Final Battle, I wanted to ask you about another event uh, you were you're one of the voices for all in uh, September first, twenty eighteen, Jargo and I were in the building that night. What did it mean to you to be a part of the commentary team? And looking back on it now, what was your big takeaway from that show and the weekend in Chicago?
1: I, it's it's one of the, the, the only events in my life that I think I can always look back. I know I'll always look back on and I'll always be able to smile and I'll always be able to feel the warm feeling that I had that night. Um, my wife and my son were in the building as well. Uh, it just it just felt like magic. It just felt like the, the culmination of you know certain wrestlers' ideas coming to the forefront, uh, specifically the elite and them creating something, um, coloring outside the lines a little bit and creating some magic um, in that building. And you know all, all those guys are so talented. And you know I don't want to you know remiss either crediting a lot of the the Ring of Honor folks that were involved as well. You know including. You know, I know Gary Jester, you know, Cody's publicly thanked him for the guidance that he gave. He does such a great job securing the buildings for Ring of Honor and things like that. Um, and some of the Ring of Honor management that, that helped as well. But uh, it was a, a huge, huge event that really showed, I think, a lot of people what was possible almost if there was a Super Bowl of wrestling because you had Ring of Honor, you had stars from Impact, New Japan. Um, You had guys that held championships in MLW. We had uh, some of the best just plain, you know, independent, unsigned, unknown diamonds in the rough out there, you know, guys that are looking to break through and and all in um, certainly seem to help that. And by that, those guys, I mean, Joey Janela, Penelope Ford, Marco Stunt. Um, So it was just an incredible night where, I think we saw. I think we saw everybody in, enjoy the moment, enjoy the atmosphere. I think if you describe wrestling as flavors of ice cream, I think there was a flavor of ice cream for everybody, even uh, folks that that really like inflatable phalluses. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so there really was. It really ran the gamut. But it's a night where you know I got to work with Don Callis and with Excalibur, who are tr- tremendously talented individuals. I've always wanted to call matches with them. Uh, and it was just, it just felt right. It felt good. And that's something that I, I'll never be able to forget. And it's just something I'm so glad that I was a part of.
0: Ian, let's turn our attention to final battle coming up this Friday, December 14th on honor club, visit ROH com for details on how to join up and see this incredible card. Ian, this show is coming to us from the historic Hammerstein ballroom. You've been in some incredible arenas at this point, calling the action. Do you have a favorite venue to go to?
1: It's gonna sound crazy, and i I hope my Pennsylvania folks don't get mad at me, but but Turner Hall in Milwaukee is by far my favorite venue. Uh, just there's a there's an atmosphere there. You can if the walls could talk, uh, you you just know some crazy stuff went down in Turner Hall. so uh, Turner Hall it just this vibe that that is unmatched. Chicagos always. Uh, a great town as well. Uh, I love the odium there. The uh, twenty three hundred arena is magic. I'd say I'd say Turner Hall one A and and uh, Philadelphia's twenty three hundred arena one B. But Hammerstein Ballroom I, I'd say is in that comp- top top five, if not top three. There's a it's just an incredible feeling, especially the moment before the crowd comes in, and if you're able to just see the venue and hear the calm uh, before the crowd comes in in that venue. That moment in that venue might be the best individual moment there is, uh, as you know, in terms of venues, in terms of cities for Ring of Honor.
2: Now, one of the more personal matches on the card uh, is a program that, that you've literally found yourself in the middle of, Ian. And I'm talking, you know, it's Flip Gordon. He's going to be taking on Bully Ray in an I quit match. Now, Ian, I know you try to stay impartial when you're on, in the commentary booth, but clearly you have to be behind flipping this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I make no bones about it. Flip Gordon's my guy in this one, and you know, Bully Ray. He's you you know when he came to Ring of Honor in in early 2017, he really validated what we were doing at Ring of Honor. You know, Ring of Honor for so long had been about the top independent young stars coming to try and cut their teeth and to make the name for themselves. Uh, But then we saw you know just a flurry of of established stars all at the same time come like Cody, Bully Ray, the Hardys. And so for me, I I was so thankful when he came. It's such a great, you know, great name to have on the roster. But he's just proved that that he's not a real great fit for Ring of Honor. And, And I hope Flip Gordon makes him quit at Final Battle, because I think then we'll see the real true colors of Bully Ray.
0: You know, it's funny, because as long as we've been bringing on ROH talent for most of 2018, and it seems it doesn't matter who the talent is, they always come on here and bury Bully Ray. Every one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you find you find there's more than one side of the coin there. so i I'm rooting for Flip coming up at final battle. I mean,
0: even Bobby Cruz was on here, bad mouth and bully, Ray. One of these days we're gonna have to get bully on the show. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's clearly a conspiracy inside of Ring of Honor. And now we seemingly have two world championships inside the company, both of which are going to be on the line, although not in a unification match as I had predicted at final battle. The Kingdom of Honor champion Matt Taven defends against Dalton Castle and the Ring of Honor championship on the line as Jay Lethal defends in the championship matchup against Cody. Looking forward to both of these matches, Ian, both huge importance on the marquee. How do you feel about the two championships currently being inside of Ring of Honor?
1: I do think there's two world championships, and I, I think it's Jay Lethal, and I think it's Sumi Sakai. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt, Matt Matt Taven, Matt Taven. you know, unfortunately, some guys have bad breaks. And Matt Taven, uh, we saw him pin Dalton Castle, and Dalton Castle was the world champion. I'll give him that. Uh, but Matt Taven, instead of deciding to petition for a match against Jay Lethal, instead of deciding that he was going to challenge Jay Lethal, he made the bold statement and said that he he feels his championship is valid and that he doesn't need the other title to feel that, that he is the true world champion of ring of honor. So uh, that's Matt Taven's fault that Matt Taven doesn't have the, the real ring of honor world championship around his waist. Um, I think Dalton Castle, he's got a lot to prove coming back. I know he had broken his back, which is something that he kind of shielded for so many for so long until it was no longer shieldable. And we saw him at best in the world. He had, his back and ribs taped his hamstrings taped uh just about everything taped it was almost <laughs> like he was held together by athletic tape um you know so for dalton castle i think this is going to be a, a true test as it would be for any athlete in ring of honor take nothing away from matt taven uh he is championship caliber but that that charlotte he's kind of a charlatan he's got that that fake championship belt that he's carrying around and uh you know the real title will be on on the line in the main event uh, as will the, the Women of Honor Championship. For the first time, you know, it's been one year since the, the Women of Honor Championship was announced, and Sumi Sakai should be defending against Madison Rain, Kelly Klein, and Karen Q, and it should be an incredible four-corners match, and then Jay Lethal. Um, there was a line that Jay Lethal said on television this week, and it really it really jumped off the page at me. And, you know, for all the things that, that Cody has said and done and everything he's said has... has been been spoken to to power but um there's one thing Jay Lethal said that that we might find out the answer to at final battle and he said Cody when did you realize you don't belong in ring of honor and so Jay Lethal I think for him has become personal i think the fact that Jay Lethal has resigned to ring of honor and that Cody has not and that Cody has been the ring of honor world champion before when he's not been under contract I think Jay Lethal has taken offense to that very fact, and I think he's going to do everything he can to prevent that scenario from happening again.
0: And then as if that's not enough, Ian, there's also one other huge match on the show featuring friend of the show and co Holder of the ROH Tag Team Championships, Scorpio Sky, with his tag team partner, Frankie Kazarian, defending their titles against two of the scariest men in professional wrestling, the Briscoes and the Young Bucks. Oh, Yeah. In a ladder war, and this thing is going to be a car crash, how do you begin to even prepare to commentate a ladder war?
1: You know, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I, this is this is my this is my first ladder, my official ladder war. There's been ladder matches, but when the stakes get raised a little bit, we we tended to, to classify them as ladder wars. And it's the seventh ladder war ring of honors ever had. and the the only thing that that you could really do to prepare, is when you have SCU, the champs, when you have the Briscoes, you have the Young Bucks walking down to the ring, that's when you give the the history, that's when you hit your bullet points, that's when you, you talk about the stakes, the the history of the match, their histories against one another, and then you just let the action speak for itself when, when it's on. Um, I don't anticipate calling a lot of side headlocks. I don't anticipate <laughs> calling a lot of uh, <laughs> wrist locks or hammer locks or anything like that. It, it's going to be reactionary. It's going to be a lot of oohs and ahs and and hopefully no moments like we had with, with the Hardys and the Young Bucks two years back where I I almost lost my breath because I was scared to death one of them was going <laughs> to fall off the ladder. Um, you know, hopefully this somebody, you know, this might not be what the fans want to hear, but hopefully someone gets to the championships, gets them down, and you just hope for for health and for safety. The stakes have been raised so high uh, between these three teams. You know, the Young Bucks three-time champions, the Briscoes nine-time champions. The Briscoes have held those titles for over 1,000 days um, and could be a record-breaking, breaking breaking their own record with their 10th reign should they win. Um, The Young Bucks, of course, they would be going for reign number four. Uh, What a year it's been for them with all-in, with winning the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. And SCU, this team of Cavs and Scorpio Sky, they've, they pulled the victory almost out of nowhere. They were kind of the, the replacement thrown together team. Uh, and they've shown they, they can they can pick up some victories. They beat the Super Smash Brothers. They beat Stuka Jr. and Guerrero Maya Jr. So, I mean, it's going to be an incredible match. But the skills that won them, the matches against Super Smash Brothers and against Guerrero Maya Jr. and, and Stuka Jr. are going to be completely different from the ones that they need to, to win ladder war. So, if I had to pick, the Briscoes have been in the most out of all the, the gentlemen involved, including the very first one. Um, you know, including the one seen, seen in Generico. On paper, they seem to be the favorites, but I, I got to think SoCal Censored might have the veteran edge here. Um, you know, Kazarian had, had been in the last ladder war, Scorpio Sky. We know how, how good he is and how quick on his feet he is. He won the last ladder match in Ring of Honor, which was that last Supercard of Honor. So it's going to be tough to say just who walks out especially with the Young Bucks. I mean, we, I didn't even mention them. They they beat the Hardys in their own match, in the ladder match. So, all three of these teams have a chance to walk out with the championships in New York.
0: It's going to be fantastic. Looking forward to it. Ian, thank you very much for joining us today. Tell the people how to find you across social media and anything else that you would like to plug. Absolutely. I'm available at
1: Ian Riccaboni. I try and respond to all my tweets, all my Instagram comments, all that fun stuff. Um, I'm the only Ian Riccaboni, so I'm easy to find. And... uh Yeah, it's going to be a great time calling the event at at Final Battle uh, Friday, December 14th. If you're an Honor Club VIP, you get the event for free. If you're a regular Honor Club, it's 50% off, so be sure to go on ROHWrestling.com or use the Ring of Honor app. Um, I love using the app. My wife Chromecasts the events from her phone to the TV um, when she's watching from home, and uh, it's going to be a great night. I mean, we talked about all the matches. There's a few more that we haven't even talked about, but uh, I know the fans are going to love those as well, and uh, 2018's been the most successful year in Ring of Honor history, and uh, there's a f- couple cool names coming in. I- I- I'm sure everybody's seen the rumor mill, and uh, there's been a couple cool announcements for Final Battle Fallout, including Zack Sabre Jr., who will also be a Final Battle taking on Jonathan Gresham. So uh, go on ROHWrestling.com for all the updates on the talent that's coming in, uh, because we got a couple names that I know fans all around the world are going to want to see when Ring of Honor comes to a town near you.
0: Ian, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank
1: you.